and thank you for joining us on another episode of Mastermind Strength and Conditioning Podcast. On this week's episode, we will be wrapping up our first series, which is looking at the current state of strength and conditioning. For this last episode, we had the opportunity to get Coach Shannon Jackson on. Coach Jackson is currently the Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach at Jackson State University. I really enjoyed the conversation with Coach. She really opened up my eyes to some different areas of the profession that I previously haven't thought about. I had the opportunity to ask Coach a couple bonus questions that weren't asked to other coaches that have been on previous episodes. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode, and let's get today's show started. Coach Jackson, thank you for being on the show today. How are we doing today? Definitely doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I really uh, appreciate you taking your time, uh, replying to my out-of-nowhere email, asking you to be on the show, and uh, hopefully helping keep this podcast growing and get us starting from the ground up, so I truly appreciate it. No problem, no problem. It was definitely um, an awesome email to open up to, uh, being that so many things, so much is going on in our profession. So um, I definitely want to be able to provide my input and uh, also help just spread the, spread the overall word as far as strength condi- conditioning goes. Awesome. On today's show, you are actually going to be my last episode in the series talking about the current state of strength and conditioning. So that's where we're going to be going with today's conversation and get your two cents on it. Before we get started, though, you mind just giving everyone listening just a little quick, like two minute bio about yourself, a little elevator pitch of where you've been and where you're currently at now? Gotcha, definitely. So I, I graduated from Auburn University in 2013, well, 12 and 13. I got my bachelor's degree in exercise science and my master's degree in exercise physiology. From there, I had absolutely no idea where I would be, what I would be doing. Uh, and the strength and conditioning position at Alabama State University in Montgomery, Alabama, just kind of fell into my lap. And so literally, uh, first day, I was, I was used to being a personal trainer, didn't really know how to attack a team sport. Um, but I was, I was fortunate enough to, there was a change in um, director position. And so I was fortunate enough to be placed under director Megger Harrison who is now the director at Jackson State University. Uh, but once he came to Alabama State University in 2015, he basically taught me everything he, on, everything he knew. Um, and it definitely helped me to be more successful in the field. And once he received the position as director in, at Jackson State University uh, in January of this year, then uh, he brought me along as well in April. And so we've pretty much been together for about six years in the profession, a lot of championships later. Um, and so, it's definitely, it's definitely been an experience. I will say it's definitely uh, working under different strength and conditioning directors. Uh, you, you, you get a, a feel and a learn for how people operate. And you also understand that not every strength coach is alike. Uh, some people may be more, some people may be more aggressive in nature. And then some people may be more scientific in their approach to the profession. So I've definitely learned a lot, and it's helped me to gain more exposure. I was recently invited to the NFL Combine as a participant in the Women in Sports Forum. And so uh, it definitely put me in a place to network and be more educated on the opportunities that are available to strength and conditioning coaches, especially women. That's awesome. That's so cool that you've been with your, I guess, first mentor and director for so long and was able to go on with you. I know when I told uh, my director, Coach Walthall, that uh, I was going to have you on the show, he spoke very highly of uh, your current director there. So that's awesome. As we get into the show, we're kind of lead off basic question with the state of the topic is, uh, what is your current view of the profession of strength and conditioning? It's definitely a field that has evolved since I've become a part of it. Um, it, it initially, 
when I first got the position as a strength coach, there was no certification required. And then uh, late, later on in the profession, as you know, August 2015, that's when the NCAA mandated uh, that all strength conditioning coaches have nationally accredited certifications. And so um, I think with the overall, uh, I think with a lot of the incidents that have happened in the profession, it's definitely open, open uh, institutional, not only eyes in the institution, but also the organization as a whole for the as far as making sure they put their players in the best possible environment um, and making sure that coaches are also knowledgeable and have the experience practical and physical knowledge so um, I think it's definitely evolved over the years as far as making sure that that coaches have something to bring to the table and that they, they, they know the science behind what they're doing and that they also operated as an extension of that sport program awesome i again that's awesome that you were kind of in before those certifications really got going and ha since then have you seen that kind of things have gotten more scientific or do you feel like it's still kind of that intuition that experience with the science of course we all need to have that background to understand how to train our athletes but do you feel like it's a nice little blend right now or do you think we're kind of on one side of the spectrum like relying too much on having those certifications and only knowing that knowledge or not having as much experience coming in, people coming in with just certifications? That is a great question. I recently made the comment. Uh, I think, I think right now the profession has been, is, is a great blend because you do have those older strength coaches who they, 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 they're stuck, not really stuck in their ways from the negative perspective, but they know what works for them. So they learn the information in the book in order to, but obtain the certification, but at mm -hmm. the same time, they also still, uh, they also still use what they know. And so I think, I think we have a, a, a nice blend as far as that goes. What I am seeing more of as we receive more GAs and they go through our program is that more of the younger guys, uh, sometimes they're kind of restricted to the knowledge they learn in the book because they haven't necessarily had, um, been under different cultures or necessarily had that practical experience. So what we're starting to see is um, a culture of the younger generation just basically not being able to not being able to make adjustments, especially when you have guys who come from who who serve as graduate assistants at the higher level and then say they come down to the SWAC, mm -hmm. which is basically way different than SEC. They come down to the SWACs actually actually receive a full-time position and then don't know how to adjust because the resources aren't what they were at the SEC level. And so I think, um, I, I think there's definitely uh, a difference between the older and younger generations. No, that's awesome. I definitely, um, one thing I just had an internship meeting today was talking to them about keeping a, a white, belt white belt mentality and always kind of trying to learn and progress, but also understand that everything you're learning in the textbooks, all that science, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because if it was coming from some Soviet Union sports scientists, their athletes were in optimal conditions, getting optimal training with food. They didn't have any outside stressors. That's why, oh, in four weeks, you should get an adaptation. As you know, in college, that might not always be the case. So mm -hmm. always keeping that growth mindset and understand you have to train for the situation and the team and uh, players you are currently with. Exactly. exactly. That's awesome. Um, 
One thing I want to talk about real quick, you uh, kind of went into the organizations, and uh, this is kind of getting into a little series that uh, we're going to open up again about the two different certifications. But kind of real quickly, do you feel like there needs to be kind of more of like a, a unity between the NSCA and the CSCCA? I think that there definitely needs to be some type of fluidity throughout the organizations. Um, I think, but I don't think that's up to the the NSCA or the CSCC. I think it's more so up to the NCAA as far as what they consider nationally accredited organizations. Um, from my research, I think at this point, the NCAA has accredited over 130 organizations. So whereas I have, I have multiple certifications, one is and one, this, I do have the CSCS, but then I also have the ISSA. And so, as most people know, that I, I completed that certification in a matter of maybe three or four weeks. Whereas mm -hmm. it took maybe about, being that I had taken the CSCS uh, after completing college, um, I had to kind of study more in depth for that certification. So, it took a matter of six to eight months. And so, whereas you talk about somebody receiving their certification online versus somebody actually studying, creating a schedule, and then going to a proctor facility in order to take the certification, now it's more so of what do you consider? What does the NCAA consider national accredited? How does somebody could easily be hired just through from an online certification? versus somebody who really put the hours in, who really put the work in to actually study um, without, a, and, and then not being able to take an open book test. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there definitely needs to be some type of, some type of evaluation when it comes to that. Um, I think it needs, it definitely needs a closer look. No, I, I agree with you 100% with the online certifications. I'm personally biased to the CSCCA. I also am certified through them, and I think having that 640 hours of practical experience plus then having to defend a program and uh, teach exercises to the master strength conditioning coaches, it might not be full-fledged teaching a lift and showing that you can, but it, it's showing that you have the competency to actually coach and speak in front of people, which I think is a stepping stone, hopefully then to get your GA ship or paid internship and then learn more under your mentors. Kind of as we roll in, I think it ties in a little bit. I think you kind of answered it already, but uh, do you believe the profession is in a positive or negative place currently? Well, I definitely believe it's in a, pos a more positive place um, as far as the the uh, the profession definitely did not take light of all the incidents that had occurred, especially at Oregon and all that type of stuff. So it obviously was proactive as far as its approach to, hey, we can't, we can't uh, we can't allow this to keep occurring. We need to put some type of parameters in place um, so that we make sure that our coaches are more knowledgeable of our of, of work arrest and different things like that. So um, I think it's it's definitely in a positive place. Of course, it still has room for growth potential. Um, so um, it definitely there there's there's a lot of things that it definitely could could use, especially like going back to what we just talked about as far as the fluidity across organizations and nationally accredited, accredited organizations. So um, I, I definitely think it's more in a more positive light than what it has been since I've been in the profession. 
That's awesome. You've definitely you've been in longer than me, so I mean, you like I couldn't I didn't even know 2015. You didn't need accreditation as soon as I got in interning. And my GA was always like, you need to be certified, need to be certified. So it's kind of crazy to think there was a time where might have seemed like the wild west, where it was just like, oh, you want to be a strength coach? You work in the weight room? Like, have at it. Right, um, talking right. about growth outside of certifications, where would one part that you feel like the profession really needs to grow and really needs to take that next leap and to really put us to taking that next step in growth? Ooh. I know I'm, I'm bringing the hard ones out today. Hmm. Where could it possibly go? We may have to come back to that. I'm going to have to think on that one for a little bit. Okay. Well, I'll go back. I'll go back. Um, this is more so of a personal, personal uh, experience. Um, and it kind of goes back to when you say being a strength coach now, if I knew now what I knew back then. And so I think uh, I think the profession should definitely be more proactive, proactive educating those who are attempting to get their foot in the door. Uh, so with this, with that being said, did, I didn't really know much about a strength conditioning profession going all throughout college. And so uh, once I got into the profession, uh, after, after I graduated, I, I would receive so many resumes just being the assistant director at Alabama State, and I would see people interning at multiple places. And so um, I know if I were to turn in my resume, you would literally only see Alabama State University assistant director, Jackson State University assistant director, versus had I had I been more knowledgeable of the profession, period, all those four years at Auburn, I could have been working in the weight room. Mm -hmm. uh, had I known more of more about the path to take to actually get into the profession, then I definitely could have had a lot more practical experience uh, in the field and also had a, a much more solid, solid foundation as far as getting into the profession, obtaining the certifications, although it, it, it wasn't mandatory until 2015, even still mandatory or not, it's also only mandatory that you have one certification at this point. But for somebody who wants professional development and wants to market themselves, at this point, I now have three. And so it's like, had I had I known the importance of all these things as far as working at a higher level or being more successful in the profession, I did, I definitely would have pursued those those things. Mm -hmm. You uh, talk about more education. You said your undergrad was in exercise sports science. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like more universities need to kind of see the profession and how it can grow and how it can develop and possibly create more concentrations that are specifically strength and conditioning? Because I know off the top of my head, I can really only think of a couple and the biggest one that comes to mind is Springfield up in Massachusetts, right. really having like a concentration for it. Do you feel like that's something that more also universities need to see the potential of this to offer it more so than just that clinical route or I think mine's an undergrad with an concentration fitness management and you had a strength and conditioning class for a semester and it was just really hit the basics and just went from chapter one to whatever in the NSCA essentials text. So, uh, so in, even in mentioning that, not until after I graduated and after I got into strength and conditioning, they all decided to create a concentration for strength and conditioning. And then, and now they have an entire course that's dedicated to passing the CCS. And they break down each individual, each individual chapter. And so 
I definitely think like that. That's another. That's another. Uh, another factor of our profession of seeing our profession in a more positive light as well is that institutions are are becoming more knowledgeable of what is needed as the strength and conditioning goes. And I think only because the NCAA paid more attention to the strength and conditioning profession did it also influence institutions to pay more attention to it as well. Yeah, I was I was in the same situation. I went to a small D3 in Massachusetts for hockey and Two years after I left, they renovated one of the ice hockey rinks to a brand new facility, indoor turf. It's it's phenomenal and created a concentration. I was like, if I just hold it off two more years, I would have had such an easier time and that more hands-on experience before going out. Right, right. I think that's awesome. Kind of, uh, You kind of touched on it a little bit, one of the questions, though. But again, if you had to start over again, knowing everything you know today, you just graduated, say, this past May, would you still get into the profession of strength and conditioning, knowing what you know now? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I do. I do so many talks, especially for like women's clinics and things like that. And they always say, you're a woman. How do you work in this profession? You work around men all day. All you do is work out. And my 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 warm response is if you could literally see yourself doing anything else other than strength and conditioning, then that's probably what you need to do. You as a strength and conditioning coach. There's so many, there's so many things that will make you question, why do I do this? The four o'clock in the morning wake-ups, the 15-hour days, it'll, it'll, it'll constantly make you question, why do you do this? But then once you see the, uh, the reward is, right now for me, it's, I have a soccer player who was not able to pass the two-mile test in 14 minutes. Uh, it took about three weeks, three weeks of intense training she was she was banned from training she was banned from practice uh, it took about three weeks of personal training in order to help her pass that two mile test so watching her struggle watching her sacrifice and then watching the reward was watching her actually finish and so we'll never we'll also never get we'll never get compensated for the amount of time that we actually put into the profession and so um if you if it's just not something you love to do, if you can't show up every day and love it, I always tell people I'm as loud as I am at 5 a.m. as I am at 8 p.m. If you, you can't give that same energy all the time, we don't get to have bad days. We don't get to be off. We don't get to have schedule adjustments. We have to adjust to whatever is going on around us. People don't, coaches more so, they, they won't always respect the fact that we do work 15-hour days. And we may have multiple sports. You hear coaches numerous times say, well, I don't really care about what other sports you have. This is what I want to do for my sport. And so, um, I mean, if you just don't absolutely love it, then you probably need to go do something else that you absolutely love because it will test you every single day. And you just got to be strong enough to meet the challenge every day. No, absolutely. I I can't agree with you 100% more. I'm always – athletes are always – when they're like, Coach Deb, you're here all day. How many hours you put in? Blah blah blah. They know I'm in a temporary position, and they're like, "Why do you do it?" I was like, "Cause if you gave me food and a place to live, I'd still do it. Like you wouldn't have to pay me. If I could just survive, maybe find a little bit of money here and there to do something fun. Like I, there's nothing else I can see doing. The fact that I get to actually create a get a salary and save some money and call it my profession, I mean, it's a dream come true. And you nailed it on the head, saying you have to be a special person to yeah. do this field. Uh, kind of side note, and you're actually the first person I've asked on this, so I guess it's a good way to end the series with an extra bonus question. 
if it wasn't strength and conditioning, what would you be doing? Oh, I would probably, to be honest, I would probably be, oh, I would be a veterinarian. I would definitely be a veterinarian. Uh, I absolutely love animals. I think in my junior year of school, so when I went to college, I basically started, I graduated May 24th from high school, and I was at Auburn on campus on May 26th mm-hmm. start summer school. And so I basically went summer, fall, spring, summer, fall, spring, all the way through. And so I think my junior year, I told my mom, I said, I think I want to change my major. And she was like, so what? And I was like, uh, veterinary medicine. She was like, absolutely not. <laughs> You too far along. And so um, I always said that if I wasn't doing strength and conditioning, if I did, if I hadn't got my degree in exercise science, it definitely would have been uh, veterinary medicine. I, I couldn't argue that. I mean, there's no, besides working and seeing my ethics succeed, always a puppy walks by or a kitten and I get happy throughout the day. So I definitely know that feeling of being around animals definitely would be happy. Uh, Coach, you talked about earlier about talking to uh, women a lot and kind of having uh, – conferences or meetings or just kind of speaking more on the behalf of the female strength conditioning coach to kind of wrap this up i want to swing it back again another bonus question i haven't asked anyone else in this series as the state of strength and conditioning the view of it the profession positive or negative do you feel there is a difference between our female strength and conditioning coaches versus our males or do you feel like it's pretty much across the board pretty much the same at this point i feel like all opportunities Opportunities are up for grabs. Uh, with all the opportunities that have been thrown my way, I recently got the uh, chance to um, interview for an NBA G League strength conditioning position. And so uh, I feel like at this point, coaches, organizations, teams, they're recognizing women, not because they're women, they're recognizing strength coaches, period, that are good in their profession and that are good in what they do. And so I always tell people I'm not good to I'm not good for a woman. I'm good because I'm good. Yeah, um, and so I, I think right now, like if, if if now is the time, if any, that women are breaking barriers and absolutely killing it. So if it's something that you want to do, by all means, reach out to all the women. That's another thing that had I known had I known uh, early in the profession about knowing the various women that are in the profession. I got a chance at the NFL Forum. I got a chance to meet Katie Sowers, a huge, a huge mentor for me um, with 49ers. So I'm definitely exploring all opportunities given to me, uh, not not because I am a minority and a male dominant field, but because I want to I want to be I want to be great. I want to be the best. So um, now is the best time of any. That's awesome. I, I love how you praise that, that you want to be the best. It's not male. It's not female. It's just you just want to be the best strength coach, period, and that's awesome. Um, I like actually how this series alone, I'm pretty sure it's two to two. I'm pretty sure my first two episodes with two guys and the last two are with two females. So it's awesome. I like how I'm kind of trying to get both sides of the coin from all sec- areas, not just big schools, small schools, high schools, males and females. Like, I think this first series is going to be a good hit, really, to get a good – perspective for young coaches or any coaches out there trying to see what the current state of strength conditioning is like 
But coach, I appreciate you coming on, taking time. I know it's a uh, it's it's a late night. We both had late teams. My baseball team forced me to have to call you a little bit later in the evening. Probably both of us would like, but I truly appreciate you coming on uh, and finishing off this first series with us at Mastermind Strength and Conditioning. Awesome, Devin. It was such an honor. It was great talking to you. Great meeting you, and I definitely hope to keep in touch with you. Um, I hope that this podcast inspires a lot of people, um, and also is informative to a lot of people. So awesome job. Keep up the good work. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll definitely be reaching out again to have you on another show. I would love to get you on uh, when we start talking about unionization and where or how we should do that. Okay. okay. Awesome. awesome. Appreciate it, Coach. Nope. Have, a, <laughs> have a good one. As we end today's episode, I would again like to say thank you to Coach Jackson for coming on today's show. I appreciate her giving her view on the current state of strength and conditioning. This is the end of our first series and I appreciate all the coaches that came on and gave input on how they currently thought the profession was going. Don't forget to subscribe and comment and leave us a review on your favorite platform that you're listening to us on. Our next series will be talking about how strength and conditioning coaches are getting athletic administration to see the value that we bring to the departments. Until next week, thank you again for listening to another episode of Mastermind Strength and Conditioning Podcast.